Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Hello, and thanks for joining us today on A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Jacqueline Whit, professor of strategy at the U.S. Army War College, and I also edit and produce this podcast. Today's episode is another in our ongoing series on senior leader perspectives. I'm privileged to have the opportunity to speak with some of the senior and strategic leaders who visit Carlisle Barracks. It's sometimes a challenge given their very busy schedules, but we think this podcast provides a great opportunity for them to speak to a wider audience than just the War College resident class. Today, my guest is General Jay Raymond, who serves in the United States Air Force. General Raymond was commissioned through ROTC at Clemson University in 1984, and after a few years as a missileer, he has served most of his career as a space officer. He currently is the commander, Air Force Space Command, at Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado, and he's responsible for organizing, training, equipping, and maintaining mission-ready space forces and capabilities for North American Aerospace Defense Command, U.S. Strategic Command, and other combatant commands around the world. So, General Raymond, welcome to the War Room. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. So I'd like for you to tell us a little bit uh, more about your background than what was in the intro and a little bit about the job that you currently occupy. Sure. Uh, first of all, again, it is great to be here. I, I grew up in an Army family. So I, um, my great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my dad were all West Point. Uh, all went to West Point and uh, grew up living on Army bases around the, around the, the world. So, I, it, again, it's, it's great to be here. Um, I joined the Air Force coming out of ROTC at Clemson University. Uh, I call that the Harvard of the South. Uh, Go Tigers, right? Go Tigers, that's right. And um, I got commissioned in 1984, went off to uh, missile training at Vandenberg. It was served, as you said, served as a missile air for four years. And then uh, about that time, the Air Force put missiles in space together. And so I, I shifted over towards the space side of that. I've served at all levels of command, squadron command, group command, wing command, uh, numbered Air Force Command. Uh, I am uh, have served as the Air Force Director of Operations, Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations, um, and then have assumed my current job in 2016. I'm actually dual-hatted. I'm the Commander of Air Force Space Command, as you said, but I'm also the Joint Force Space Component Commander for STRATCOM. So I organize, train, and equip in my Air Force hat, and I operate and employ uh, joint space capabilities in my U.S. Strategic Command hat. Great. So I'm interested, if you're from an Army family, how did you end up in the Air Force? Well, I I actually lived in uh, Wiesbaden, Germany when I was in uh, 5th, 6th, and 7th grade. My dad was a battalion commander for a Lance Missile Battalion in a little place called Camp Perry right right by Wiesbaden. We actually lived on Wiesbaden at the time. It was an Air Force base. And so I got my first taste of Air Force life after having mm. grown up uh, the first uh bunch of years on on uh, army installations and i i liked what i saw and i decided to go that way absolutely i worked for the air force for a while so i i understand how that can go um if you would tell us about the strategic leaders uh, military or civilian historical or contemporary uh who you most admire and, and sort of look up to you know i, I um as i reflect on my career there's there's one uh Air Force General Officer who became who became the U.S. Strategic Command Commander that had probably the most influence on me in my career, and that's uh, General Bob Kaler. Uh, General Kaler was a started out as ICBM officer, transitioned to space, 
uh, probably the most strategic thinking uh, general that, that I have known uh, in the Air Force. He's the, the most ethical leader that I have known as well. Uh, he hired me to be his strategic planner at U.S. Strategic Command, which was a really cool job. And it, at the time, uh, he was really focusing on integrating uh, our planning efforts with the geographic combatant commands. And what I found was he was about three or four years ahead of everybody else, because that's mm-hmm. really what we're focusing on today. But he really, really was thinking about that. And as I look back on a couple leaders that I've had the opportunity to serve with, it's those leaders that I was working with them on something that actually didn't materialize for five or six years later, right. that they were just ahead of the game. There was another one um, coming out of Naval War College. I, I got hired to work for uh, Admiral Art Zabrowski in the Office of Force Transformation in OSD. And he was the father of net, network-centric warfare. He had me working on a little alternative business model for space. That alternative business model for space is really what's what's blossoming and materializing today in the commercial mm-hmm. space industry. So on those two cases, I've where I picked two strategic leaders, there were, there were folks that I think had the vision that were ahead of the department. Uh, and it has taken a while for the department to catch up. Uh, but it was a fascinating time to be be with them. Sure, that vision and that forward thinking and being ahead of the curve seems like one of the real hall- hallmarks for yeah. strategic leadership yeah. uh, and something that's really hard to find as well. Yeah. If you think about other attributes of leaders you admire and, and leaders who work for you now, um, what leadership attributes do you admire most in military officers? Yeah, I, 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 first of all, I say that uh, the value of a, of leadership is critical, and uh, I, I a very bold, infectious leader that delivers results is the is the person that I that I value. There's you don't have to be a yes person, but boy, you want somebody that can go out there and and take charge and lead and and deliver uh, deliver results without fail. And uh, so that's that's the first part. The second part, and more so today than than maybe in the past is the innovative nature of leadership. We don't have, I don't have the resources to give all of the commanders that work for me, all the people and all the dollars that they need to do, to do what I need, we, mm-hmm. we as a nation need them to do. What they would like when they right. dream right. about what they could have. Right. right. So I need them to be able to think innovatively and to think outside of the box and not be scared of that. Uh, and those that, that can do that uh, really deliver some pretty, pretty amazing results. There's other leaders that's, that are very comfortable in operating in a box that you draw for them. Uh, I really like leaders that can think outside of that and, and uh, push the boundaries mm-hmm. and, and do things innovatively. How do you think that leaders and students who are at the war college level, 05s, 06s, um, can cultivate that boldness and that innovation in themselves, but also in, in the people that they're, and they're leading? How do we develop that in our leaders? Got Reflecting back on my time, I went to Naval War College for uh, for senior service school, and I I took an elective, uh, a space elective that was co-taught with MIT Lincoln Labs, and and I got got to go to MIT Lincoln Labs once a week and see some really um, uh, innovative technologies that were that were being developed, and then got to talk to the people that were developing them, and then have a conversation on how they might be employed for strategic value. And I think if you have an opportunity, especially at a year off when you're at school, to, to think to think differently 
not just you know not just stay in your comfort zone of, of what has gotten you to the point where you are uh, you know here at school but to, to take a year to, to reflect on something that that you haven't had a chance to think mm-hmm. about I think it's, there's value in that yeah, and school can definitely be a, a great place to push yourself to push boundaries to right. learn new things right. talk to new kinds yeah. of people um, yeah it's interesting today to this day the the relationships that I made with MIT Lincoln Labs back in this was 2002 to 2003 when I went okay. to school I still rely on those today and right. I still partner with them uh, so you can you can really build uh, build some relationships and some expertise that mm-hmm. uh, in the year that you're you're at school yeah we talk a lot about networks at the war college and military networks but those civilian networks those relationships are, are going to be really important and certainly in in space where there's so much public private um, sort of crossover in terms of technology and usage right. and all, all of that you've been in the military for a long time now mm-hmm. um, and you're at the most senior levels of your profession could you think about what things you wish you had had, had known when you were a more junior officer, if you could go back and talk to young Jay Raymond, uh, what yeah. might you say? I, I would just tell a young Jay Raymond or a young whoever that their leadership matters and, and, and they can really make a, a significant difference. I think as young leaders, we tend to operate in a pretty small box. Uh, it, uh, we live by the instructions that say you can only do these certain things. And I think you need to, uh, you need to think, be bolder than that. And, and realize that, that although you're a young officer, you can really make a strategic difference uh, for, for your service and for, uh, for the Department of Defense. And I would, just, I would just tell young officers, be bold, think big, uh, and then uh, hopefully their leadership will unshackle them and allow mm-hmm. them to run and, and, make, that, and make those big changes. They're, they are the experts. And, and that level of expertise is critical to helping us uh, move forward in, in, in advance. Great. If we transition to thinking about the job that you hold with Air Force Space Command, um, can you talk a little bit about your current priorities in that, in that role? Yeah, first, uh, it's really an exciting time to be in the space business. You know, we've always been the ones off the side that don't make the newspaper very often, <laughs> and today we're kind of front-page conversation. There's a national national discussion going on about space. I would imagine when you moved over into the space community, this isn't exactly the career that you no, imagined uh, for no. yourself. I, uh, the last thing <laughs> I thought. Uh, but it's it's an exciting time, and not only is it an exciting time, it's a critical time. And, and the, really the whole conversation that's going on centers around kind of this what I call a strategic inflection point that we're at and that is that as a joint force we are very very reliant on space capabilities there's nothing we do as a joint force that isn't enabled by space nothing and I challenge anybody to come up with something because you can't mm-hmm. it's, I can't get to the grocery store yeah it's just it without space yeah. capabilities <laughs> yeah and at the same time our adversaries or competitors or, uh, have watched and have had a front row seat into how we have integrated space to great effect. And to be honest, they don't like what they see. And so they're developing capabilities to, to, to negate our access to space. And that strategic inflection point where we're really reliant, yet we have uh, adversaries that are developing capabilities that, that uh, could take away that advantage, uh, could potentially take away that advantage, uh, is what's driving all this conversation. And so today in Air Force Space Command, we are at a, a significant 
juncture where we are pivoting everything that we do towards space as a warfighting domain, just like air, land, and sea. Mm -hmm. That requires different capabilities. It requires different ways to develop our people. It requires different tactics, techniques, and procedures. It requires different partnerships. You talked a little bit about the, not a great word to use in the the space business, but an explosion in commercial space right. things that are happening. <laughs> Explosions are generally something you want to avoid. You want to avoid, right? yeah. Okay. But there's, uh, so that pivot, that shifting to space as a warfighting domain is really uh, the priority for, mm -hmm. the, for the command and making sure that uh, the capabilities that the Joint Force is so reliant on uh, will always be there. What is, it, is the intellectual shift due to evolving capabilities both on our allies and partners and commercial side and our adversaries, what is, what's the cause of the mental shift to this warfighting um, idea? Well, I, I think there's a growing threat. And so uh, um, our adversaries are developing everything from low-end reversible jammers of, for example, of GPS satellites or communication satellites all the way up to a high-end kinetic uh, destruction of satellite like we saw China uh, tests in 2007. And so uh, as we have become very reliant on these capabilities and we have a growing threat, it requires mm -hmm. it requires a different mindset. You can't just assume space superiority away. Can't assume space superiority and that space will always be peaceful and accessible right. and, and uncontested. Um, so what is Air Force Space Command then doing to, to shift its mindset to stay ahead of evolving threats and changing threats in the space domain. Yeah, so I, uh, pretty much every part of our command is changing, but I'll, let me highlight three things. Uh, first thing we're doing is is developing architectures that are more defendable. Today our satellites uh, are relatively big satellites uh, and they, they're not very defendable. And so we're looking at how do you create an architecture that would make it, uh, would complicate the, the targeting calculus of, a, of mm -hmm. an adversary. Um, the second thing we're doing uh, pretty significantly is developing partnerships and uh, partnerships with the intelligence community. The partnership today that we that we enjoy with the National Reconnaissance Office has never been better. Um, partnerships with the commercial industry and so historically what's been commercially viable in space is commercial launch and big commercial satellite, uh, commercial satcom uh, communication satellites. Uh, today, because technology is allowing for smaller satellites to be operationally relevant and the cost of launch has gone down, pretty much every piece of space is now commercially viable. And so we're looking at developing partnerships in mm -hmm. multiple areas. And then f and then, on the partnerships, the developing partnerships with our allies. We've never really had to have strong partnerships in, with our allies in space because space was a peaceful, benign domain. That's not the case today. So we're really... And domain controlled by superpowers and right. wealthy right. states. Right. And so we're really working hard to develop those partnerships. And then f the last piece I'd say is uh, we're completely overhauling how we develop our space operators to be space warfighters, uh, mm -hmm. not just uh, uh, airmen that, that come in and operate equipment and provide information to warfighters. This is no kidding a warfighting domain. So we're completely changing the way we develop our, our sure. airmen. So I'd like to ask you um, sort of what, what keeps you awake at night? Um, what are your biggest sort of concerns um, in the present day, but also yeah. thinking about a little bit out into the future? Yeah, first of all, I'd say uh, we are the best in the world at space. And, uh, and we've got the best capabilities, the best airmen. 
the best sailors and soldiers, uh, and there's no doubt we're the, the best in space. We have uh, adversaries, though, that are that are moving really quick. That are getting better. That are getting better, and that that superiority gap, if you will, uh, that we enjoy today is is closing. And so, what what keeps me awake, if anything keeps me awake, would be uh, making sure that we can go fast and and move fast to to stay ahead of that 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 growing threat, and to make sure that that our joint force always enjoys the advantage that space mm. provides. Um, we haven't had to go fast here recently. And so if you look at our acquisition models, uh, it you know the metric of success wasn't speed. And so um, we're really working hard to, to develop innovative business practices and innovative methods and organizations mm-hmm. that have different types of authorities to be able to, to deliver capability at speed to stay ahead of that threat. And that's the one area. uh, Keeping keeping me awake at night might be uh, an overstatement. However, it's one that I'm putting a lot of focus on. It's good to know that you sleep well. I think that's that's really important for all all of us. Um, If you think maybe... 10 or 20 years out or 30 years out into the into the future you can pick the timeline um what does success at the strategic level look like for air force space commander united states space operations more broadly yeah so um first of all again it it is clear there's great alignment strategic alignment in our country today that space is a warfighting domain a couple years ago, a few years ago, I couldn't go outside and say space and warfighting in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that we wanted uh, wanted to talk about or or embrace. We have uh, completely embraced that, and there's great alignment. And so, uh, our our big focus is not to get into a a war that extends into space. It's to de- to deter mm-hmm. that. So we and don't actually want to be. We don't want to fight fighting. this fight. But the best way I know how to not fight that fight is to be prepared to do it and be prepared to fight and win. And we are. And and as I mentioned uh, just a minute ago, our job is to to make sure that we are two years from now and five years from now, and and to be able to stay ahead of that of our adversaries. But I I would say success looks like um, making sure that the domain is uh, available for our use and the use of uh, of humanity. Uh, and to keep the domain uh, safe and secure and, and peaceful. And, and we're taking actions to, to do that. We, we share information broadly. We're developing partnerships. We want this domain safe for all. But we're going to be, uh, we are ready, and we will be ready to, to fight and win if, if that deterrence were to fail. All right. So that sort of ends my questions, but right. I'll give you the last, um, the last word. If there's anything you'd like to say um, sort of in, in closing, what are, the, what are the words of advice or wisdom that you'd leave with our students, with our uh, sort of listening audience out in the world? You know, first of all, let me just say thanks for for having me here. I I'm really looking forward to talking to the to the War College class. This is it's, it's, as I said, the most critical and exciting time to be in the space business. It's really important that the airmen, sailor, soldier, and marine uh, in our services have a an understanding of space. Uh, and so I hope to to give a little bit of that today, and then whet the appetite that I can come back and and do more in the future. Uh, but just realize that that we are the best in the world. We have the, the space capabilities fuel our American way of life and our American way of war, and we're committed to making sure that that's always the case. Great. General Raymond, thank you so much for joining Thanks. me here on War Room. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. 
The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.